We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking week six passing game matchups for the wide receiver position on Rotoviz Radio. What's up, Rotoviz? What's up? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Curtis Patrick, once again live from my iPhone, uh, here with Dave Cabin. We're two of the owners here at rotoviz.com. Um, I've already got two fingers worth of Kettle One because I, I just am assuming when we're done recording this episode that to try to watch any of the Bears Commanders game that's going to help um, to have numbed the senses a little bit. Um, Dave, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good, man. Um, it's, it's always fun for me, uh, to have a game on in the background, even if it's not looking like a great one to, you know, give me something to kind of watch and pay attention to while I am working on the, uh, matchup article, uh, which we have some fun results for this week. A lot of different things to churn through. Um, and a lot of data at this point too, which makes the process a little bit more fun for me as I can concretely say, you know, these are things that happened this season. Uh, so each week it's getting more and more fun and looking forward to uh, breaking it all down. Well, let's answer the most important question of the night before we get into breaking down the passing game matchups. Um, are you pro or con the all orange look for the bears tonight? <laughs> Oh, Curtis, I uh, unfortunately have to say that uh, I am, I'm not really sold on it. What do you think? I, I think it's awful. I think it's absolutely awful. Um, like the only thing the Bears have going for them is that classic intimidating navy and orange look. They This, this looks very, very create a team and Madden um, for me. So I, I, I'm definitely out. Uh, but hey, you know maybe that maybe they'll eke out a win um, in the colors, and it will become uh, a cult favorite like the highlighter yellow in uh, uh, in Seattle. Okay, um, let's get let's get a quick drop, and we'll talk about the top five wide receivers uh, that we want to tell the listeners about from the passing game matchup Raider tool this week. All right, Dave. So we've got to come up with. Uh, not only some reassurance on some names that, that maybe haven't been performing and are just in really great matchup spots. And then also we want to make sure we're highlighting any players that might be 
you know, considered more of bench depth, but uh, really need to be considered uh, as starters this week. And I think we've got a really good mix of names amongst the top five here. And it's going to start, I mean, it's definitely going to start with this Bengals-Ravens game. And it's not going to be the name that you're thinking. Dave, tell us who's got the smash matchup in week six. Sure. So the player that has the best rating out of players that you're going to care about is Tyler Boyd, who comes in with a 78. Uh, As we've talked about prior, this is scaled to 100 being the highest matchup that we would expect to see across the course of the season. So a 78, very high rating, 15 ahead of the next closest wide receiver this week. And as I said, this is for Tyler Boyd with the Bengals playing the Saints. Now, there's a couple of things going on here. Uh, One of the major things to note is that uh, unlike some teams where you see a number of players all getting kind of mixed in and out of the slot, Boyd runs 87% of his routes from the slot. You have Chase um, down around 28, T. Higgins down at 41. So a lot of the slot coverage is going to be centered on Boyd. But given how good Chase and Higgins are, it's going to be hard for some of the real shutdown guys that you would think of in the New Orleans defense, like Lattimore, uh, Bradley Roby, who's allowing just 4.5 points on direct targets per game. It's going to be hard for them to be sandwiched uh, on Boyd too much. So you're going to see him get some coverage from a guy like Paulson Adebo, who's allowing 14.9 points per game on direct targets. PJ Williams, who's at 10 uh, points per game on direct targets, getting mixed in there. And also, if you look at slot wide receivers versus the Saints, uh, ranked slot wide, or sorry, let me say it differently. If you looked at ranked wide receivers, meaning players that uh, at this point in the year are either a wide receiver one, two, or three, and you look at when they run their routes out of the slot, uh, they're putting up 2.1 points per target against new orleans i think it would be pretty fair to assume that boyd could get up to six maybe seven targets in this game so we're looking at a pretty solid uh performance for him and i think that there's some upside as there is the potential to make a big play or two here or there especially given that uh, you know the team's stronger uh wide receivers will be taking I don't know if I should say stronger, but you know what I mean? The Higgins and Chase have to uh, be considered heavily by the defense. So this is looking like a spot for him where I'd put him in as a wide receiver three this week. I, I'd get him in the lineup. He's even passed a flex consideration for me. Yeah, and I, this is going to be really helpful because, you know, Tyler Boyd in, in, managed, uh, in managed weekly lineup format, he's probably your wide receiver five or six, but you know, there's so many injuries at the position right now and so many underperformers. And we're going to talk about some of those underperformers later in the episode. But, you know, if you're somebody who, you know, was banking on being able to start Michael Thomas or, you know, we have Tyler Lockett injury news today with the hamstring. Um, you know, this, this gives you hope if you've got Boyd on your bench. Um, and really, I mean, if we're slotting him in at wide receiver three, you're really um, going to be hard-pressed to keep him out of your lineups. Um, and I appreciate the breakdown there. So Boyd, uh, with a floor and a ceiling and a great matchup versus the Baltimore defense. Let's hop over to the Buccaneers and a player that did not show up very well in the GLSP, uh, fantasy football projections episode, uh, from yesterday, but actually 
from a player on player uh, and position on player uh, perspective, has a great matchup this week. Chris Godwin in Tampa Bay. Yeah. So as I noted, I think one of the things that was driving down Godwin in the GLSP was his matches were not producing touchdowns. Uh, So, you know, at this point, it's not like, uh, you know, you're seeing Godwin putting up massive numbers, but I think that we know that Godwin is the type of player who has the potential to smash in the right spot. Uh, So the GLSP might not be able to anticipate a big rebound for him yet, but if you look at this matchup, it's looking like, a game where he might be able to do that. Uh, 79% of his routes come out of the slot. That's going to get him coverage from players like Arthur Mollett, who's allowing 6.8 points per game on direct targets. Uh, You're also going to have Cameron Sutton mixed in there as well. He's at 9.2 points per game on direct targets. There's a lot of guys on the Steelers roster that cover the slot and have not been that successful at it as a result curtis we see uh godwin coming in with a 63 so not nearly as strong as boyd but that's still a pretty good score in a matchup that sets up fairly nicely for him and also if we take a look at those thresholds that we've been talking about um you're gonna see that pittsburgh has not been uh entirely stellar you know we've seen a couple times this year where some of the higher level wide receivers have been able to really uh you know stick it to them so i think that it's also worth noting that they're one of the highest teams in terms of 20 plus wide receiver uh points per game allowed right now so glsp not a big fan but i think there might be enough context um, when we break this down a little bit more than I'm more inclined to like Godwin this week after having incorporated this into the analysis than just looking at the GLSP. Transitioning over to Seattle, uh, DK Metcalf with a great matchup uh, for the passing game matchup Raider um, this week. And that's before adjusting for the, for the potential that Tyler Lockett might not be on the field. Um, break down Seattle uh, quickly for us here, Dave. Yeah, so DK, man, and he was killing it in the GLSP this week, came in as a very definitive uh, wide receiver one. We see DK coming in here um, with a pretty high score, and DK has been used in many situations um, across the across the formation this year. And one of the things that that can do is it can get you exposure to a lot of different corners uh, on the defense. And Seattle this week draws Arizona. Now, if you look at the individual players in the secondary there, there aren't any that are going to jump out as a player that DK could pick on. But, uh, you know, they do have some susceptibilities in that defense and with the way that he's being moved around, uh, the tool feels like he should be able to take advantage of that. Um, the other thing that I want to call out here, Curtis is if I pop over to the thresholds, uh, we see that Arizona actually has been rather stingy against, uh, most wide receivers, 
But the important thing to keep in mind here is that DK at this point really has not been most wide receivers, has been able to be well utilized with Geno there. Uh, so it's not surprising to see DK coming in as a player that's looking like he should be in line for a good game. Uh, his actual rating comes out at a 55, which in some weeks wouldn't be one of the highest ratings. Uh, but, you know, as you mentioned, we have some injuries. Bye weeks are starting up. So DK is looking like one of the better options, especially in those high end wide receivers. Also worth considering if you're somebody that's playing DFS this week. Yeah, I mean, DK has three straight weeks with over 17 PPR uh, uh, receptions of greater than 50 yards in each of the last two games, touchdowns in two of the last three games, and minimum minimum of five receptions in each of the last three games as well. So um, definitely a lot of signal uh, that Metcalf um, could continue his uh, hot streak this weekend. Um, a player who hasn't been performing to expectations but it's going to actually have a change at signal caller in week six is DJ Moore. Yes, which makes DJ really interesting. So he actually gets a rating of a 59 this week. Um, so a little bit better than DK. If you look at Moore's usage, uh, let me just pull this up here real quickly. Um, okay. So I'm going to have to, can you, uh, I was going to ask you to filibuster for me here for a moment, but seeing as you don't have your typical access, Curtis, that's going to be a little bit harder for you to do, uh, than normal. So, um, well, I can, I can, cause I can tell you what, man, um, as I was, um, starting to clear out my desk because I'm going to have to replace my Mac, uh, this weekend, I found a wallet in the drawer that I haven't used. Evidently, since the 2014-2015 Columbus Blue Jackets season, wow. uh, I, uh, I found an old wallet that I'm not using anymore and was reminded that I had season passes that year um, and was, was thinking back on, on some of those fond memories. That's, uh, that's obviously ancient history at this point. You know, seven, eight years ago, um, two of my three kids were yet to be born at that point. Um, yeah, a little trip down memory lane for me. Uh, when I used to attend quite a few NHL games. All right. I, I appreciate it. Great job there. Uh, so we got, Carol <laughs> <laughs> we got Carolina versus the Rams and, you know, it feels like every week we're highlighting a wide receiver that's going against the Rams now. Yeah. I think it's three weeks in a row, man. Yeah, yeah. it is. DK or sorry, DJ, uh, 46% of his routes coming from the slot, fairly similar usage between the left and the right side of the field, he should see, you know, significant coverage from Jalen Ramsey, also Darian Kendrick, both players being fairly forgiven on direct targets aimed in their direction. From a threshold perspective, um, what we see, you know, it's it's another one of those things here where the Rams haven't really been terrible from a threshold perspective, but the right type of wide receiver uh, with more fitting into that mold here should be able to make use of, you know, some susceptibility there. Of course, though, it really comes down to what does this offense look like with Walker there? Just because I see a very solid matchup rating for more this week, I'm only putting him into my lineup if I, if I really need to. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the way to play it. I mean, 
the, the Panthers are a, a disaster. There's so much change going on. Um, you know, if you if you do have to desperate uh, desperation start him, it is nice to at least see him showing up uh, positively in, in one of our tools. If you got to go a little bit deeper, uh, maybe you have a number of players out um, in you know due to injury in combination with some bye weeks. The Bills Chiefs game offers some opportunity. Uh, even in a managed league format for some of the, you know, support uh, level type players. And Isaiah McKenzie showing up as a, a potential streamer for those uh, in a bit of a tight spot in week six. Yes. And, and this should be a fun game. You got Buffalo um, facing off against the Chiefs. And I think that one of the things that you're going to see here, too, that might not even really show up if you're just looking at the numbers is it's going to be hard for the Chiefs to account for all of these wide receivers. And if you look at McKenzie, uh, his target volume hasn't been super high, but I think that we're going to see quality targets. The alignments that McKenzie operates out of, the Chiefs have had a difficult time with this year. Uh, also, if you look at things from a different lens and you just look at our strength of schedule streaming tool, it's going to show you that Casey has been one of the most favorable matchups. So when I look at McKenzie this week and I put together the different data points that we have, that also includes uh, his GLSP projection. This looks like a spot where McKenzie uh, definitely should be in flex consideration. Um, so, you know, if you're monitoring the injuries that you have on your team this week, your buys and you're looking for another option at flex, McKenzie might be in a direction that you can pivot. All right. Well, that's a great uh, quintet of players that you can start uh, with confidence, eh, maybe quartet and then also DJM. Um, but just to round that out and remind everyone, uh, Tyler Boyd, Chris Godwin, DK Metcalf, DJ Moore, Isaiah McKenzie, all showing up amongst the top plays uh, as curated by Dave Cabin from our passing game matchup Raider tool for week six. Um, you can check out the other great plays at rotaviz.com. Of course, if you're a subscriber, Dave, hit that sound, uh, sad trombone sound effect so we can review some of the bottom five uh, warning players for week six. Yes. Well, we'll start... Well, let's go back to that Steelers-Buccaneers um, matchup because, you know, we, we highlighted Godwin. It's a potentially great play in that game. We flip over to the Steelers side, and unfortunately, this does not look like the week that Deontay Johnson will recover his elite PPR status. You know, the, the, the thing about this year um, that has been kind of frustrating for managers that have players on the Steelers is – things have just not been lining up very well for them. There's been a number of weeks where they're all of their players score very lowly in the ratings. Uh, you know, their alignments not working out against the teams that they're facing and the teams that they're facing also being, you know, pretty decent teams. Uh, as a result, Curtis, we see George Pickens with the lowest rating of the week. We see uh, former wide receiver for the series we will get to. We see Deontay Johnson with a rating of just 19. 
Um, I think Chase Claypool was a little bit higher here, but Deontay Johnson's the player that I wanted to focus on as he's probably one that some people aren't sure if he should be getting into their lineup or not. You know, I think we ended up sitting him last week. He's only scoring around, uh, you know, 10, 11 points per game. Now, Deontay Johnson um, only occupies the slot on about 15% of... uh, passing plays. So we see him very heavily on the left side of the field. 32% of the time he's on the right. He's going to see a lot of coverage from uh, Carlton Davis, who actually has been one of the easier matchups in comparison to the other wide receivers on Tampa. But the problem is, is when he's not seeing coverage from Carlton Davis, uh, we've seen Jamel Dean really shut players down. Um, Sean Murphy bunting has been pretty solid. Their safeties when helping out have been very limiting. Antoine Winfield Jr. allowing just 2.2 points per game on direct targets. Same thing for Mike Edwards, Logan Ryan, Keanu Neal too. They're all in that two-point range. So there's really just not a lot of spots on the field or alignments that are going to be conducive to Deontay scoring points. This still feels like a team that's very much in flux. Uh, Kenny Pickett trying to get his feet under him as a starter. So if you are on a wide receiver heavy team or a a team, you know, with a number of good wide receivers or a league where you start fewer players, this might not be the Deontay Johnson week. Uh, You know, I think we have a couple of teams, Curtis, you and I, where we have him, and he's probably not going to be in our lineups. No, he hasn't really been sniffing the lineup. Um, luckily, we're wide receiver deep uh, on both of those squads. Uh, but appreciate, you know, that breakdown. I do think he's going to eventually figure it out. I think eventually Kenny Pickett will take some steps forward versus what uh, Mitchell Trubisky was able to offer in the offense. He's just going to take some time and, the offensive line having some some struggles. I mean, the Steelers, this is definitely kind of like a recalibration year. And I don't think it's an indictment on Deontay as a player at all. There's just a lot of different factors um, at play here. Um, and that similar, schedule should get better, right? Like, this has been yeah. a very tough stretch yeah. of games for him. So I think that's the other thing that I want to call out here. Um, you know, from having been doing this now the last couple of, or, you know, all season at this point, it, just has, it has not been a, a favorable schedule. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, you know, we had this game where we have Deontay on the opposite side of of Godwin. And now we go back to the Chiefs-Bills game because we had McKenzie on the pro side. We're going to have Juju Smith-Schuster 
as um, a hard fade in in week six. And he was probably already on most fantasy managers' fade list anyway. I mean, Juju, uh, he's just wide receiver 47 this year. He only has, you know, two games with uh, greater than 9.6 PPR this season, zero top 24 weeks. Uh, he's negative from a fantasy points over expectation perspective with uh, nearly negative 12 fantasy points over expectation through five weeks, which makes him wide receiver 182 in that category. <sighs> I think there's going to be a correction week at some point, Dave. He does have the 30th most valuable role uh, season to date uh, with with uh, 59.6 expected points through five games. So it's going to come for him, um, but it doesn't, you know, now, I mean, a game like this against the Bills could just get crazy. So, you know, we, you know, that's got to be the caveat with all the matchup stuff. I mean, you know, if, if the game scripts get, you know, thrown out the window uh, in some of the other matchups, or if Bills Chiefs really turns into the epic battle that many are hoping for, then I think, you know, some of this stuff could, could potentially change, you know, and, and be solved via volume. But Juju just has not been very good um, at converting his opportunities this year, and his matchup suggests that he'll have trouble again this week. Yeah, man, it certainly does. Uh, so he's really down towards the bottom this week, comes in with a rating of just 20, uh, definitely a zone that you don't want to be in. Now, from a route perspective, we see Juju in the slot on 43% of routes, used fairly evenly on both sides of the field when he split out wide, has actually run uh, or been in a tight end position um, on 9% of passing plays, which is kind of interesting. But as a result of this, it's not likely that he sees significant uh, or the overwhelming majority of coverage from one player there really are not many guys on this buffalo defense that have been very forgiving except for uh jaquan johnson at safety everybody else has been at around six uh points per game on direct targets or fewer uh there's just not a lot of a lot of work here that you can point to uh juju being able to be efficient with you know it's been a real bummer uh we actually i think we were podcasting. It was last week and uh, talking a little bit uh, after we finished. And I was just really, really, really hoping that Juju could do something, ended up getting some targets, but wasn't able to do much with him. And when you're playing a defense like Buffalo's, uh, it is a tall task to be able to do uh, a whole lot. So this is looking like a real tough spot for Juju. I do think we'll see somewhat of a correction, uh, but it's not looking like this will be the week. Yeah, um, I, you know, I think that's a good, it's a good reminder. Some may be tempted um, to slide Juju in uh, because of the type of game, you know, that, that they could be hoping that this would it would be. But I think a player, you know, potentially like Michael Hardman or, you know, the offense continuing to flow through Kelsey um, or even maybe an uh, MVS sighting, you know, all of those could potentially be more likely uh, to occur than, than a Juju uh, bust out in week six. Um, a couple of players, we don't need to spend as much time on these players because if they're healthy, they're auto start level um, based off of what we know they can do and how they performed so far this year. But it is notable that we don't expect quite as much uh, from them from a matchup perspective, although their talent, you know, it's, you know, arguably matchup proof. The first being uh, Marquise Brown and, you know, just the kind of level set on Marquise Brown, you know, player that you and I both love. Um, 
you know, five weeks into the season. I mean, he's he's wide receiver six in, in PPR. Uh, he has the fourth most valuable role, 97.8 expected fantasy points. Uh, he's been neutral from a fantasy points over expectation perspective with negative point uh, with negative 0. 0.1. Uh, so he's, he's doing exactly what he should do uh, on his opportunities. He's got three top 12 weeks, um, you know, really has just done everything that, you know, you could really hope for. And, you know, him showing up with not the greatest matchup, you know, is one thing. Um, but, you know, he's just producing at a level that, you know, you really can't keep him out of your lineups. And in particular, I mean, the last three weeks in a row, he's crested 20, you know, PPR. And in the games where he hasn't produced quite as, as well, you know, weeks one and week two, where he got off to that kind of sluggish start, he was still turning in 12.8, 14.3 PPR. Maybe that's more the range that we get from Hollywood uh, this week, especially without a touchdown. But um, the other player, Dave, being Tyreek Hill. You know, you just really can't sit Tyreek. He's got a lot of stuff going against him. You know, he's got a little bit of an ankle uh, injury situation, but um, team reports and Tyreek reports are that he's optimistic that he'll play. But we've got Skylar Thompson in the lineup. Um, even despite that, I mean, Skyler, uh, was the quarterback for all, but what, like one play, uh, and we, I've and Tyreek still managed, um, seven receptions for 47 yards, you know, so he's still a high player, even if, you know, he's maybe somewhat less likely to, to bust a big play down the field. Um, you still know that, you know, he's capable of taking one to the house from a yak perspective at any time, but maybe just share a note or two on each of those players from a matchup perspective. And then we're going to talk about uh, a player who, who did deliver from a streaming perspective in week five, but maybe will not be in position to do that in week six. Yeah. So like you said, with Marquise Brown, uh, he's been, you know, fantastic. Despite a low rating that's down around 28, uh, he would still be in every lineup where I had him. One of the interesting things about Brown this year is that pre-snap, he's been on the left side of the field, uh, split out wide 61% of the time in the slot 35. So he's very rarely on the right side of the field. I think that he's probably going to see significant coverage in this game from Michael Jackson Sr., who's allowing just uh, 4.2 points per game on direct targets. Tariq Woolen will get mixed in there. He's at just 4.6. So, you know, his alignments don't profile in this case as being ones that are friendly for how he operates. Uh, but like we mentioned with some of the other guys, you know, when you're Marquise Brown, that probably doesn't matter that much, uh, especially, you know, the way you've been playing uh, and the chemistry with Murray. Uh, so that's kind of some of the reason as to why he comes in with that low rating, but you're definitely fading that. Uh, as far as Tyreek Hill goes, this is um, the toughest matchup that he's had along the year. Uh, but even with those factors that you talked about, Curtis, I think that I still, on most teams, am going to have him in my lineup. Now we have a team or two, uh, you know, that's so stacked at wide receiver that we could, that we could sit him. So on some teams that might happen, uh, this year, even distribution when he's on the left or the right side of the field, spent 74% of the time in the slot. He's probably going to be covered, um, from a number of players, including Patrick Peterson, who have been pretty stingy. Peterson's at just 3.8 points per game on direct targets. Uh, you know, Minnesota actually hasn't been that bad 
uh, as a result, you know, with all of these factors, this is not going to be Hill's best week, but I still think, you know, him getting to 10 or 11 points looks, you know, definitely achievable. So some of that floor is probably still there. Uh, Jalen Waddle, I'd, I'd be, you know, a little bit more worried about uh, this isn't a great matchup for him either as you know he and hill are used fairly similarly from an alignment perspective yeah waddle's been a little bit of a disappointment but he's been battling his own um injury uh situations this year one interesting note um just for listener pleasure in case you haven't seen it on social uh or on player alerts that you might have set up for tyree kill um tyree kill initially thought to have been instrumental in the removal of the ping pong table from the Miami Dolphins uh, locker room uh, has kind of uh, retraced his steps and now is saying that uh, the old ping pong table was was a distraction not from the team winning or from a team chemistry perspective, but it had bent legs. And so Tyreek has ordered a very fancy and customized Miami Dolphins-themed ping pong table for the locker room. If that's not leadership, I don't know what is, Dave. Um, that's got to count for something when you're breaking ties and setting your lineups. So, um, so yeah, I actually, I need to find a way to model in, you know, that that pump of adrenaline he's probably getting from all of that ping pong uh, into these tools here, because I think, you know, he's he's to the moon now. What what kind of ping pong player do you think Tyreek is? Because I definitely don't like he's. You've everyone's played against the people that like, you know, spin serve. And then they just suck. Um, I think Tyreek's probably not that guy. Um, I think he probably plays super aggressive, like close to the net. Um, I I would agree with that. And plus, you know, his his reflexes and he's just so fast that it's probably tough to, you know, to get them by him. I'd I'd have to imagine that Tyreek's pretty good. Who do you think would be like pick a prominent player that you think would be terrible at ping pong? Uh... I feel like Rob Gronkowski probably wasn't good at ping pong. <laughs> yes. I feel like Rob Gronkowski's ping pong room would just have paddle holes in the wall. Yes. That, um, he sees the ping pong and he's just immediately like, all right, where, where's the beer? We're playing beer pong. We're not playing ping pong. So you can't even get him to focus on the game. Man, I put you on the spot and you delivered a clutch answer. Um, so that's great. Um, okay. So if I told you, Dave, that a Baltimore Ravens wide receiver was PPR wide receiver 24 on the year, um, I don't think that would be a surprise to anyone because, you know, Lamar Jackson um, is playing very well. And, you know, many people drafted a certain Baltimore Ravens wide receiver with the thinking that, you know, he could be a wide receiver too, thanks to the exit of Hollywood Brown uh, after last season. However, most would be surprised to learn that it's Devin DuVernay and not Rashad Bateman. Now, DuVernay uh, did return pretty good value in streaming spots um, last week, and he's been very consistent. Um, Nine or more PPR points in every matchup so far this season, um, and he is fifth amongst wide receivers and touchdowns scored. Uh, But he has a little bit of a tougher draw this week against the Bengals. It does look like, for what it's worth, Rashad Bateman is probably trending towards a scratch again. He's missed his fifth straight um, practice uh, as of this Thursday night recording. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on that. But um, for those of you who maybe had a little success streaming Duvernay last week, um, you know, maybe be forewarned 
this week. Dave, anything specific about the Bengals matchup that uh, managers should keep in mind as they're considering Duvernay? Yeah, well... I'm glad that, that we, we get to call out Duvernay here. Unfortunately, you know, it's not in the greatest context because he really has been, you know, one of those exciting, to some extent, unexpected players this season. You have uh, Baltimore facing a Giants uh, defense that, you know, hasn't been the most difficult. We saw CeeDee Lamb have a good game against them uh, back in week three. Randall Cobb last weekend uh, scored pretty well. If you look at the alignments, um, what you'll see is that Duvernay spends about 27% of the time, or sorry, 27% of the time in the left slot. Let me just get the condensed percentage here. 53% of the time in the slot, uh, 34% of the time is lined up as the wide receiver on the right side of the field. One of the reasons this gets tricky is that's probably going to get him into a fair amount of coverage from Fabian Moreau, who's allowing under a point uh, per game on direct targets. Um, most of the points that are getting scored against this team are coming more so from um, other members of the secondary than the ones that the tool would be projected would be projecting that Duvernay will face. Uh, now, I do think we have to think about what happens with Rashad Bateman here and his health and how that factors into what you could see from Duvernay. But at the very least, if we're just going by the matchup ratings, uh, this is a pretty tough matchup for Duvernay. He rates out uh, back down in the th- uh, at just 23 Curtis. So that's, that's a, that's a very low rating. Uh, so you'll have to keep that in mind. You know, maybe this isn't the week that you, that you flex him. Uh, of course that's going to depend on the context of your team. Yeah. I mean, if you're forced into flexing him, um, your team might be in pretty bad shape. Um, and so at that point you're just, you know, maybe hoping that he can't, that he can get the, the touchdown. But if, if you've got, um, an embarrassment of riches at the wide receiver position. Don't get cute thinking that Devernay, uh, that Devin Duvernay would be your savior again in week six. Um, just checking in on a possible heat check situation in the Bears Commanders game. There is no heat <laughs> at all. It's zero to zero with 223 left in the first half. Um, of note, Darnell Mooney does have a 64% target market share. Um, <laughs> collecting seven of uh, Justin Fields, uh, seven targets on Justin Fields, 11 passing attempts, uh, four receptions for 40 yards. So I guess eight PPR in the first half. Mooney had the uh, uh, fifth highest eight. rating of, of, of the week, actually. And Velas Jones, it, it liked as well. Yeah, Velas Jones does have a carry, okay. um, but no. <laughs> okay. um, this, this game, you know, Thursday night is just such a hit or miss situation, but you know I'm always secretly hoping that these these games against you know that are pitting abysmal squads against one another can turn into shootouts, and that is not the case in this game. Um, very little excitement has occurred other than Khalil Herbert's 64 yard run that was not converted into any points by the Bears' offense. Oh boy! Um, uh, it's it, it's a bad situation. Um, you can look at the box score and figure that out, even if you haven't been watching the play by play. So, Dave, thanks for getting us through the passing game. 
uh, matchups for our top five and bottom five wide receivers this week. If you want to check out, you know, you like this episode, you want to check it out at the tight end position or you know, get into some of the other wide receivers and, and what's going on against specific corners uh, from specific alignments, you can check it out at rotoviz.com. Best of luck to everyone in their week six matchups. And we will be back early next week with a week six in review. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.